Good morning, I'm Robin Shannon. Fordham Conversations is focusing on faith among Black Americans and the dynamics of the Black church. Last week, we heard part one of this discussion. It focused on a Pew Research Center survey about faith among Black Americans. Some of the findings were that Black Americans who attend Black churches have worship styles that vary, opposing racism is an essential religious issue for them, and U.S.-born Blacks are less religious and socially conservative than immigrants from Africa. Today, the conversation continues through a discussion with leading experts on Black Catholicism. Guest host David Gibson is the director of Fordham University's Center on Religion and Culture. He also hosted the CRC webinar that today's show is based on. David is joined by Dr. Bashir Mohammed, Dr. Kiana Cox, Dr. Tia Noel Pratt, and Father Brian Massengale. Well, thanks so much, uh, uh, Dr. Kiana Cox. Uh, that's terrific. And, and, um, uh, Dr. Muhammad, um, it's great, so much fodder for so many questions that pop out at me. One quick one uh, before I turn it to Brian Massengale and, and Tia Pratt. Um, Dr. Muhammad, a couple of questions in the chat box on methodology. Can you just give us a quick um, summary about, you know, how many were contacted and how you contacted people, what the conversations you had? Sure, absolutely. So. Um... So this, this project actually included a variety of components, uh, included a nationally representative survey, it included focus groups, it included in-depth interviews with clergy. Um, the core of it was a nationally representative survey of Black Americans. And in this survey, we, co we contacted and spoke to over 8,500 Black respondents. Now, to give context to some people who don't do a lot of work with surveys, that's actually larger than many studies of the entire public. Uh, so that's why we're able to look at religiously unaffiliated Black Americans, African immigrants, Black Catholics. We're able to look at these groups that only make up four, five, six, seven percent of Black Americans because the overall sample was so large. It's also important, though, not just to have a large sample, but to have a representative sample. And so, how did we make sure that that sample was representative? So. There are, most of the study was done online, but it wasn't an online opt-in panel. It wasn't like you could just go to the website and say, well, I wanna take a survey. We actually recruited people um, based on, uh, basically based on addresses. We randomly selected addresses is basically how it worked um, without getting too in the weeds. And then uh, we would send a letter to that address saying, you know, please take this survey basically. Uh, and the first request would be to ask them to go online to take the survey. Uh, ultimately, we know that not everyone is comfortable going online, not everyone has internet access. And so for people who didn't, weren't comfortable going online, there were two other ways that they could complete the survey. Some of them had the option to complete it over the phone and others had the option to complete it by mail. So they would get just a, a packet that they could fill out and sent back in, in a sort of self-addressed stamp envelope. And so all of that was done in order to make sure not only is it a large sample, but it's a representative sample. And so we have confidence that we have a description of not just Black Americans writ large, but also these important subgroups. Right, thanks, many thanks. As you said in your presentation, facts matter. And that can be a controversial statement today, but we're really thankful for that. So I want to uh, flip it over to, uh, to first Dr. Pratt and just maybe uh, take a couple of minutes and give us some of your uh, reactions, thoughts about this, uh, this uh, really important survey. 
Sure, thank you. So, you know, as was said earlier, I was an, an advisor to the team at Pew on this project for more than three years, even before the, the project officially began. I uh, was invited to come to Pew and talk about some of my work and as as the team was beginning to think about what this survey would look like. And that was really important to me because as we as we heard and you throughout the, the presentation, surveys of, of this style often aren't large enough to be able to analyze black Catholics. And so to be able to bring my work to the Pew team, uh, even before the project really started, meant that Black Catholics would be on the radar before the project uh, formally began. And so because of this you know, large sample, as we heard just a minute ago in the discussion of the methodology, it meant that we now have, you know, we have we're able to analyze Black Catholics in a way that we haven't uh, before in, in surveys of this style. And we can have so much more confidence in as, as researchers, especially qualitative researchers such as myself, in the numbers that we're including in our work about Black Catholics uh, as we discuss a, a myriad of, of other issues. So, so this is, is really a, a game-changing study in terms of you know, how I know how I will move forward in, in my work. Um, you know, I'm already thinking about how I can include this work in, in the book that I'm finishing up and projects that I have in mind down the road. So, so this is, is really a, a wonderful project and I have just been so happy to have been a part of it. Thank you, Dr. Pratt. Uh, Father Massengale, uh, what, do you, what strikes you from, from this survey as uh, your long experience as a uh, black Catholic priest? One of the few, as we say, uh, which I, I think is also a notable question that people had about the, the you know, smaller numbers of black clergy. We can get to that at some point. But what strike, what stands out to you? Well, first, I want to just express an immense debt of gratitude to the Pew folks for including a sample that gives us the kind of detailed quantitative data that we need for you know effective pastoral planning in the black Catholic community. Um, for years, we've been saying that one of the things that, ha that hamstrings us in terms of pastoral planning is we don't have the data. We don't know even how many Black Catholics there are. And so, you, so even that kind of basic kind of information is so important. Um, as I was looking at this survey, I mean, I mean several things jumped at, out at me, but one that was not discussed in, the, in general, but one I do think is really important going forward is something I call the Black Catholic exodus that came up in the survey, that when they looked at the percentage of current Catholics who were raised Catholics or people who are raised Catholics who are still Catholic, only 54% of adults who were raised Catholic, Black Catholic, still are Catholic today. And that is significant, that's a significant difference from black Protestants, 81% who are raised Protestant are still Protestant. Um, and even from the wider adult population in terms of 61% of white Catholics who are raised Catholic are, you know, are, are still Catholic. 
And so this exodus that <clears throat> black Protestants don't tend to become black Catholics, black unaffiliated folks don't tend to become black Catholics, but black Catholics tend to exodus, to leave the Catholic church and become either unaffiliated or Protestant. This has really major implications going forward that we know that the Catholic church is hemorrhaging members in general, but the rate of exodus out of the, out of the Catholic church from the black Catholic community is even more um, noticeable and even, I would say even more severe. And so that was something that struck me as I was going through this. There are a number of things, but I think even to have that kind of data is so important for um, not only planning for our black Catholic futures, but also in terms of what it says to the rest of the church about why this kind of, what, what accounts for this kind of difference. So I think it's an amazing study and it's extremely important. So a debt of gratitude for Pew for including black Catholics in the survey and giving us the kind of data that we need. Um, Dr. Cox and Dr. Muhammad, or I would like to uh, go to uh, Father Brian and, and Tia Pratt on why that might, Exodus might be. But a quick question data-wise, do we know where they're going? Black Catholics in particular? Uh, I mean, you see a huge exodus of white Catholics and from what I recall, a lot of them are, you know, going to non-denominational places or no place at all, I think, which is, is a real uh, problem and challenge. Do we know where Black Catholics in particular are going? Are they going to other, you know, Black churches? It's a pretty even split among Black, black Americans who are raised Catholic between those that are now identified religiously unaffiliated and those who are um, now, now because say they're Protestant. So they're sort of, they're about equally likely to, to completely disaffiliate and to, to become Protestant. This is Fordham Conversations on 90.7 WFUV. Guest host and CRC director David Gibson is discussing faith among Black Americans and the dynamics of the Black church with leading experts on Black Catholicism. Father Brian, Tia, what, <laughs> why, why, I, I could guess some of the answers, uh, but but why are Black Catholics leaving? Do you think at a higher rate than from church than Black Protestants are from their churches? Uh, do you want to start? You want me to? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I have studied the numbers, so I have some hypotheses. Well, you're a sociologist. Why don't you go first? Uh, okay. Well, I mean, first, you know, how much time you got? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I when I was when I was at Rose Hill years ago, thinking about what my dissertation was going to be, the first the first topic I wanted to explore was this exodus. And one of the professors I was working with said, Tia, you're not going to find these people. And I just kept pushing him. And one day I woke up in the middle of the night and wrote him an email at 4 a.m. and said, I'm not going to find these people. So I need to be able to do something else, especially as a qualitative researcher. So this was something that's been on my mind for a long, for a long time. Um, and there's, there's a number of different things that come into play here. You know, systemic racism. Uh, individual or personal racism, the, the rate at which we see churches closing in our dioceses that serve large Black Catholic populations. It, Black Catholics bear a, a disproportional burden 
of that when dioceses decide that churches need to close and parishes need to reorganize. So all of these things, you know, for, for some folks, it could be all of that together. It, it could be uh, one or two of those things that take uh, precedent, but there are a, a number of different factors that uh, contribute to that that I've seen in my research and, and I'll stop there and turn it over to you. Yeah. It was interesting that when I when I saw that that uh, that statistic, I was just shocked by it. Uh, not the, not surprised, but just you know shocked by the number. And so I went kind of digging through the rest of the report to find out how what kind of narrative can we construct. And when we look at the key factors that Black people and Black Catholics identified as being important for um, looking for a church, they stressed a welcoming congregation, inspiring sermons but also the fact of avoidance a sense of discrimination and discomfort in the church. And when we look at how black Catholics, according to the survey, 77% say that a commitment to anti-racism is essential to their faith, but only 13% of white adults will say that it's essential to their faith. I think we see a mismatch that's there in terms of you know, that Black Catholics are, this is something that's essential to who we are. That's not what we're finding in the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. Elsewhere in the report, it said that, you know, two thirds of Black congregates heard, you know, sermons about Black Lives Matter, whereas only one third of white congregants heard anything about white, Black Lives Matter. So we put those things together, we see a, a mismatch going on between the things that are essential for Black Catholics and how we understand our faith and the issues that are important to us. And it seems that it's less and less likely that those kind of concerns are going to be honored in a, in a, in a white congregation. And it's not that the whiteness of the congregation that's the problem, it's the, in a, the unwillingness of the white community to engage those issues which are existentially important for African-American believers and for black Catholics. And so I think that, you know, I think this is an extremely important finding that going forward pastorally, we have to pay attention to because we see that there's where black Catholics are leaving the Catholic church at a far greater rate than even other Catholics and certainly more than black Protestants. What, what does this mean for the Catholic church? Um, you know, I, I think, you know, Black Catholics as a whole are overlooked. And, and actually, a quick question for Dr. Cox or, or Dr. Muhammad. Were you surprised by the overall number? I mean, obviously, Black Catholics are a small subset. But 6%, it's also a notable a subset and one that has, a, you know, an interesting profile. Were you surprised at all by the numbers or was it pretty much what you expected when you found those? Honestly, I think I would have been surprised if I hadn't worked with Dr. Pratt before I got started. Um, I think she she helped us, you know, she mentioned that she'd sort of been advising us as we got started. She helped us sort of refine an intuition for what we'd expect um, so that when we went in, we could say, well, yeah, this makes sense. Um, rather than just like, well, I don't know, we'll see what the data says. We had, we had a sense going in of, of what to expect from, from her qualitative work and advice. It is, it, and it's funny that it seems that, you know, the Black Catholics within the church, and I've become aware of this so much over the past year, 
uh, with, with so much emerging and Shannon D. Williams and so many others, great black Catholic scholars doing uh, work uh, and highlighting the history of black Catholics. What, what a, a potent and powerful history it's been in spite of institutional pushback racism and everything within the, the Catholic church. So it's had such a, it seems like an outsized role there. Father Brian and, and, and Dr. Pratt, if what impact will it have on the church? I mean, has, has the black Catholics just been their own orbit within the Catholic church or have they had an influence on the wider church that would significantly change if, in, if this exodus continues. If we don't have Black Catholics in the future, what does that mean for the Catholic Church in America? Well, that is a really big question. So let me take a stab at answering it. One is that if we don't have Black Catholics in the Catholic Church, then the Catholic Church is not what it says it is. It's not truly Catholic. It's not universal. Um, and so I think this is a really, I think when we look at the small numbers of Black Catholics, uh, and the fact that uh, the black black Catholic exits from the church, this raises something about the integrity and the credibility of the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. I wish I could be confident that the wider church even cared. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to be very honest here that um, for years, I think black Catholics have realized that if we're going to have a presence in the church, it's going to be up to us to, to nurture that presence because the wider church has either through neglect or through active suppression has not shown a real sense that they even care that there are black Catholics in the church. And yet I think that you know, for its own credibility as being Catholic, it should be concerned about this and if nothing else, given the magnitude of problems that Catholicism faces on any number of fronts, we can't afford to marginalize the gifts, the creativity, and the leadership of any part of our community. Um, to put it bluntly, if we don't have Black Catholics in the church, there will not be another you know, future Cardinal Wilton Gregory in the church. Mm -hmm. There will not be another future Sister Antona Ebel in the church, whose you know, who's portrait is behind me. I mean, these are people who have had an outsized role and influence shaping the life of Catholicism. And if we don't nurture those gifts, then the entire church is poorer for it, but also the entire church isn't even what it purports to be. Thank you, Dr. Pratt. Yeah, I, I wanna echo everything that Father Massengill said. And, you know, I want to, to add to that, you know, so yes, okay. So we're talking about 6% of the black population is Catholic. But my, my entire professional life has been about asserting the fact that we're still talking about millions of people. You know, millions of people isn't nobody. Millions of people deserve and have earned a place in this discourse and to not be taken for granted and to be a part of that. And like Father Massengale said, without Black Catholics in the church isn't what it purports to be. It's not Catholic, it's not universal. And so, you know, I, I share Father Massengale's, you know, lack of confidence that our, our church leaders really even care about this, but, we've, but that's not a, a reason for 
Sister Antonia Ebo or Father Massingale or Dr. Shannon D. Williams or Olga Segura for any of us to give up on the work that we are doing because it is too critical. It is too essential for the church as it continues uh, to, to be able to, to be what it says it is. A, a couple of people noted um, uh, that you know, if, if black Catholics are often too invisible within the Catholic church, within the larger narrative of black churches, they're often invisible in the, in the Henry Louis Gates series, PBS series, very wonderful. A couple of people noted no mention of black Catholics. No. Father Massengills, how does that strike you? I, that, was, uh, that was something that I and many black Catholics noticed when we watched that special, which was a, note, a wonderful special, but I noticed even something even more insidious. And that is that several times during that, the PBS special, there was a picture of the, the, a black uh, Christ with two outstretched arms. And they, they used that iconography over and over again. They never once said that this is from a black Catholic church from St. Sabina's in Chicago. And so they're using the iconography that, is, that black Catholics have developed and trying to represent this as something as a gift to the, black, to the wider black church but yet we don't merit any kind of inclusion in the mm -hmm. actual story. So mm -hmm. they kind of use our products. I mean, it does, but they don't use, they, but we're not worthy to be part of the story. And so I think this is something that as black Catholics we face, we kind of face a kind of institutionalized neglect at best from our wider Catholic community, but also from the, our, our black Christian um, sisters and brothers as well, we're not seen as being part of the family, even though the, by numbers, there are more Black Catholics than there are Black AME members, mm -hmm. and certainly more than Black more black Catholics than there are Black Episcopalians. Mm -hmm. But yet there were two major Episcopal leaders, Black Episcopal leaders who were part of the, um, the, the Gage special, the PBS, yet we didn't see that kind of comparable representation in that narrative in the actual documentary. Thank you. We're uh, approaching the end. I wanna to go to kind of a last question maybe for, for all of you. Um, why do black Catholics stay? What, you know, again, with all of these challenges, uh, both within the church and in society, secularizing trends that we see among all, what is it that keeps black Catholics in the Catholic church? Tia, do you want to start? Yeah, I'll 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 start I'll start with, you know, I I I get that question a lot, and and I I struggle with answering it because I I, I feel like in particular it's a question white people ask of Black Catholics, um, which is. You know, which is its own, which is its own thing, but in terms of, uh, you know, I, Olga Segura has a new book, um, Birth of a Movement: Black Lives Matter in the Catholic Church, and I uh, was very privileged to to write the foreword to to her book, and in that I, I addressed that, and I invoked my my late great uncle. Um, Calvin Aguilard, who lived his whole life in New Orleans, uh, which is our, our family's home. And 
he said to me once, you know, baby, this is my church. This is my church too. And I'm not going to let them mess it up. And my uncle was a, a well-known activist in, in the Catholic community, larger, writ large Black Catholic, the writ large Black Catholic community in New Orleans, as well as the specific Black Catholic community, which is quite large and strong in New Orleans anyway. And so, you know, I think about that often. I think about that conversation with him at his dining room table often. Uh, but, you know, this, this is my church too. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to let him mess it up. I mean, really, if, if people who are doing this work, who think about these things, uh, if, if we all go, then what's left? What's left in this church? And so, you know, we've got to keep pushing. We've got to keep fighting the fight and doing the work. If I can expand on that, I mean, I, that's I mean, I would say, if I were in church, I would say amen. Um, but I would think that for Black Catholics, this is a place where we have experienced the sacred in God. We find God in the sacred through the rites, through the, the rituals, through the sacraments. This is our spiritual home. And so this is the reason why we don't leave. But I think as, as Dr. Pratt was pointing out, there's also a sense of mission in black Catholics that we believe, and I'm gonna say this strongly, we believe in some level that the church needs us sometimes more than we need the church. Yeah. And I think that you know this is the reason why we stay, that we have an essential contribution to make to the church to make the church to be universal in fact and not just in rhetoric. And so I think that when you talk to black Catholics is a sense of this is our home. This is where we've encountered the sacred. These rites and, and sacraments are meaningful to us. We're not going to let someone take that away from us. And more importantly, I think there's a sense of mission that this is where God wants us to be. I can speak for myself that there are times when I've thought, you know what, <laughs> I've had enough. <laughs> I have uncles who are uh, Baptist ministers are always saying, come on over, Brian. I mean, you, you have your own mega church if you want it. And I would say, no, no, no. That even when I want to go, God has called me here. There is work for me to do here. And I think that I'm not saying that because it's Brian messing up saying that this is a, something that Black Catholics share. Um, yeah. We talk among ourselves. God has called us here and yeah. we have a mission to, to and within this church. Yeah, I, I just briefly would like to, to echo that. And I have had my, my own moments where I think I have one foot out the door and maybe the other foot is about to follow. Uh, but, you know, there is that, that mission that, that the, the church needs me, the church needs us as, as Black Catholics, just as Father Massengill said. Well, I'm glad you're both staying. <laughs> and I hope this, uh, the, the, this event uh, informs all of us as it has enlightened and inspires all of us. I know it does for me. And I just, again, facts matter, as Dr. Muhammad said. And, and, you know, all of this, we've been talking about this for so long, but this kind of research can inform an actual pastoral practices, I think, uh, across the board. Um, hopefully we'll do a follow-up 
Dr. Muhammad, Dr. Cox. I think we need, there's much more to be mined here, I, I, I think. And uh, I look forward maybe to working again in the future with our friends and colleagues at Pew Omnis survey. So much here, so valuable. Thank you, Dr. Kiana Cox. Thank you, Dr. Bashir Muhammad. Thank you, uh, Father Brian Massengale, T. Noel Pratt. Uh, it's uh, really been a terrific conversation. Thanks to all of our um, online uh, audience, more than 200 of you, uh, terrific questions. Couldn't get to all of them, got to a lot of them, but uh, we'll save those for next time. I'd like to thank my guest host, David Gibson, the director of Fordham's Center on Religion and Culture. I'd also like to thank Dr. Bashir Mohammed, Dr. Kiana Cox, Dr. Tia Noel Pratt, and Father Brian Massingale. And a special thank you to CRC's assistant director, David Goodwin. To learn more about this and other CRC events, check out Fordham University's Center on Religion and Culture website. For Fordham Conversations, I'm Robin Shannon. Hi, I'm Robin Shannon, one of the hosts of WFUV's Fordham Conversations. This weekly public affairs show taps into the Fordham University community to discuss and uncover issues that impact our world. And you know what? Fordham Conversations may be looking for you. If you're a Fordham student, alum, or have a connection to the university and an interesting story to tell, you may make a great guest for this show. Some issues we look at are serious, like COVID's effect on low-income communities or examining presidential succession and the 25th Amendment. Some shows are fun, like talking to a motorcyclist who rode from the Bronx to Brazil just for kicks. We've had authors, actors, researchers, sports greats, and we might be looking for you. If you or someone you know would make an interesting interviewee, send your story and your contact information to Fordham Conversations at WFUV.org. And make sure you listen to Fordham Conversations every Sunday at 6 on 90.7 WFUV or online at WFUV.org.